Industry Insider is only available at Promo Corner, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. Now, it's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider. Welcome to another edition of the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Headwear USA, and I'm joined today by three other lovely folks. But before we get to them, I got to tell you this incredible broadcast that you're about to tune into is brought to you today by our friends over at TechWeld USA, made in a world filled with worry. Uh, regarding overseas products, they offer many USA-made products to help separate themselves from the promotional product pack. Um, you know, look, they've got a lot of FDA-compliant products. Uh, in a time of uncertainty, knowledge that products uh, are FDA-compliant is key in allowing a customer to feel at ease when placing an order. Um, one of the other things that they do really cool is like their kits. They've got this whole uh, Come Kit Around With Us initiative. Um, and so basically, they've got eight different stock packaging for their kits as well. They've got an EVA bag, a PVC tint pouch, PVC tube, the organza bag, a pillow pouch, the BTL202, which is a 30-ounce tumbler. And then they've also got these really awesome retro lunch boxes as well. Uh, so not many players in the industry are focusing too heavily on kits, which really allows uh, them to uh, hone in on the market uh, with those products and expand upon their already vast uh, kit line. So go check them out for sure at techweld.com. That's T-E-K-W-E-L-D.com. You won't be sorry that you did. Uh, like I said, joined today by three other lovely folks. We've got a really special um, podcast for you today. We're going to talk Veterans Day uh, since it's tomorrow. And uh, why don't we kick it over to our resident veteran, Meg Erber. How is Meg the Terminator Erber? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. We had our Sleep In For Good fundraiser and on Monday, we raised almost fourteen thousand dollars. So I was gonna say you look really, really rested. You must have, you must have pitched in a couple hundred bucks there. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> at least an hour <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was really good. It was fun. We um, we did the whole check pass off, and I don't know. It was just, it was fun. It was, it was a really nice event, and it was good to see everyone come in and tell some stories. And we had Nami in there, and the board and all of a bunch of our volunteers and donors. So we miss Steven and Jeff, but you know. Hey now, <laughs> hey now. Since we mentioned okay. Steven, <laughs> let's just take the pressure right off of me. Uh, Steven McFadden, how are you doing today? Hey, you doing okay. Good, That's man. It. Glad to hear it. Are you, are you, how are you feeling a week after the Von Miller trade? You know, I can't be, you know, it's sad. It is sad, but I, you know, it is what it is. And I was the Rams did lose that we, last week, though. Yeah, and then Denver beat Dallas. So, like, how is that possible? I, I don't know. You know, but I don't know. One, one week at a time, Jeff. I'll process it in my in my ways, and we will move on. We will Fair figure enough. it out. We should probably <laughs> kick it back to Meg and talk fantasy football because that could go on for a while. Uh, uh, record, but, we don't have to. Uh, I'm not even really thinking this <laughs> year. <laughs> All right, we are joined today by another very special guest, uh, Thomas Amistoy with Halo, uh, another veteran. And Thomas, it is customary for us to give our, our special guest a good three to four minute introduction. Uh, so we're going to basically kick it over to you. You can tell us you know, how you got started in the industry uh, and really what you've been up to since. But since it is a Veterans Day, you can give us a little bit of a, a history lesson on, on sort of your, your record there as well. Sure. Okay. I mean, I, uh, first of all, I want to thank Meg for her service. Uh, and, 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 and it was uh, my honor to serve. That, that was uh, a great honor in my life. 
Uh, and I would also like to thank all my fellow veterans from all the military branches of the service, especially the many veterans who still suffer from disability, disabilities, you know, or injuries because of their service. Um, and so I started in um, this industry after being in the Coast Guard. I stayed in the Coast Guard Reserve through college and through the beginning of my business career. But I started in 1992 in uh, working for a company called Duplex Products. And we did mostly business forms and labels, dabbled in a little commercial print and hardly did any promo. And then that company got acquired by Reynolds and Reynolds, which is a big company to even today doing automotive forms and stuff like that. And then we spun off into a company called Relyzon and acquired by a company called Workflow One. Um, that's where I met Tommy Lewis, who you know, Meg, and who works with us at Halo, recruited me here. Um, and I spent about eight years at a company called Inner Workings, which is, uh, was disrupting the print industry. And I, I learned a lot of, about that sourcing and dis disruption there. So I started in print and about 1995, one of my customers um, asked me if I could do a, a pen. They wanted a wooden pen uh, that would be with their logo on it in a personalized wooden box. And that was the first promo item I did and I really dug it. And it's probably just because that went well. I mean, if that first project had blown up like so many other projects could easily have blown up, I would have said, forget promo, I can't do this. But um, uh, anyway, I've been with Halo since uh, 2018. I actually ran into a couple uh, former coworkers of mine, like Tommy Lewis, at the uh, expo in Las Vegas, among all those people, and they corralled me up and recruited me over here. I've been really happy here since. That's, That's awesome. So I, 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 real quick, I, I, we were all laughing at one point because I think we were all thinking the same thing. Like, can you imagine if you were him coming into this industry last year and then everything just <laughs> went shit, like in and out? <laughs> so yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's interesting. To, to that point, I actually had a customer that left the industry right around when COVID hit and they just came back and it's a rude awakening <laughs> for yeah. sure. But uh, yep. I was going to ask Thomas on, on the point that you made about, you know, going in from, from print, you know, starting in print and going to promo. There's not a lot of people that really do that very well, that transition. And I was going to ask sort of what, what, what would you say was the, I guess the catalyst for, you know, being able to make that successful jump because a lot of people don't do it very well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I had an awareness of the promo industry because my wife at that time was selling promo. And um, I think it just a little lack of arrogance compared to some of my coworkers in the print industry. Um, there was a lot of like, I'm not gonna put a logo on a mug or a pen or something like that. and. <laughs> You know, um, I've always found it interesting. I, I've always been excited because I'm a user of a consumer of print and promo and apparel. So uh, I could relate to it more. A lot of the things I printed, I never consumed, you know, so yeah. I could relate to it more. I, I do tell you, I think that there's uh, more print people are willing to sell promo than I'm noticing promo people willing to sell print. And it may be because you have an sure. established credibility and you don't want to risk that. And, and they tell me, I don't know anything about those glues or those folds or the uh, coatings. And yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to lose my credibility, but I got to tell you, the, the print reps that are out there are willing to give it a try and take your promo business. 
So, you know, you, we, we need to be doing both these days. It's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, when we were growing, I think it took us almost 10 years in business before we finally decided to add print as a, as an option, you know, it was one of those things where like, why would we add that? Like there's so many print vendors, you know, then it's like, well, it's because you're missing the full picture of marketing if you don't add it as a value add. So it, honestly, it did yeah. take us 10 plus years before we found a partner that we were like, okay, they can be our print solution supplier, you know? So it just, it is interesting yeah. you mentioned that. I think that, I think that uh, the client also would rather have just one uh, go-to person. Yeah. It used to be a very sophisticated print buyer at, who was perhaps formally worked in the print industry and was now a buyer at large companies. That's not there anymore. I mean, you're mm. the, a millennial um, buyer who's like, what's the difference? I don't care. Just give me this. You know, One of the same. Yeah. yeah. It's a proof, right? Send me a proof. I realize this is going down a whole another rabbit hole and I'm going to let you take the reins, I promise, but I want to ask this question real quick. So in your experience, Thomas, are the, are the buyers the same people for print and promo? Oh, that's a good question, Jeff. You know, it depends on the size of the organization, but a lot of times it is, it's, you know, if it's the marketing department, it's a marketing event, right? Whether it's promo apparel print, it's an event. And at the top of that organization is the same person, certainly. Uh, sometimes there's contracts and there's people assigned when there's buyers, maybe it's not the same person, but there's a lot of crossover and every year there's more crossover. So, you know, I just don't want anyone else knowing my people, you know, I gotta, I gotta sell them everything they want. Got it. Yeah. I, I would say from, from my perspective, at least it's probably nine out of 10, uh, same are the same buyers, the print people versus the promo, promo folks. Um, and what's nice, and I'm sure Thomas, you can allude to this as well, but um, without going too deep down the hole, right? <laughs> um, a lot of times they pull from separate budgets. So it's, there's a promo budget and a print budget. So you're, you're not really tapping, you're tapping two different, you know, market segments inside the company. So it's, that's right. It's, and I won't go too far down there, but you know, there's also <laughs> operational print. Too late. We're already there. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> I'm, I'm in now. I'm in, I'm in on this. I want to know more. It's good <laughs> stuff, I, think, I think we found our topic and it's, it's, it's not veterans day. <laughs> so last year was probably really good for print. I mean, all the signs that were being printed, the stickers, everything that needed to be printed. I know a lot of my distributors were like, listen, print was one of our biggest things next to PPE. So, I mean, how, did, how was that for you last year? Did you do a lot of print? Yeah, I do a lot of print. I did, you know, there's not uh, marketing print didn't took a, took a hit, but you know, with more people being home, direct mail uh, mm -hmm. was doing fine. You know, we know people are going to be home when the mail arrives, you know, and because the, the family member who's now working from home is home, we're looking at the mail when it gets there and we're direct mail is working. It always has worked, you know. Well, that's awesome. All right. Well, now back to our topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Tom, why of all the branches, why did you choose the Coast Guard? Because I mean, sometimes people don't even consider that. No, you know? I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's often whenever I ran into somebody else, when I was in the service, people would say Coast Guard. I didn't even think about that, you know. Yeah. But I was working at an amusement park um, when I was my first semester in community college and it was Six Flags Magic Mountain out here in Southern California and we were uh, tram drivers in the parking lot and one of the guys wanted to go join the Air Force but he was scared to go see the recruiter 
by himself. So me and my friend Bruce went with him to see the Air Force recruiter. We're in this big building and uh, he's in there talking to the recruiter. And we're just kind of standing outside. And there's in all these offices are all the recruiters from all the services, but there was nobody in the Coast Guard recruiter's office. So he came out, talked to us. And he said, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, and come on in here and, and let's let's hang out and talk. And uh, the end of the day, um, our initial friend never joined the Air Force, but my friend Bruce joined the Coast Guard. So did I. He spent an entire career retired from the Coast Guard and works for the National Parks uh, Associate uh, Group now. And I spent 14 years in the regular and reserve wow. uh, U.S. Coast Guard. Wow. That's and funny. I never the person that went to get recruited. The person that went to get recruited never got recruited in. That's right. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sales story, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Who was the better salesman? That Coast Guard guy. <laughs> So when you were in, you were in for 14 years, you must have had some really incredible experiences. What was one of like, you know, your, the most standout experience of uh, your career, your Coast Guard career? Yeah, there were some, I would say, that were more dangerous than others. Probably the most amazing thing that I ever saw happen was uh, we were involved with um, uh, a sailboat that capsized uh, off the Channel Islands in Southern California. And... Uh, we found uh, uh, another boater had found somebody in the water. You know, that's absolutely mm. incredible. Wow. To find somebody in the ocean is truly remarkable. Needle you know, in a haystack. You, you can't right. see that. You can't see them 20 feet wow. away. So they pulled this guy out of the water and they called us and we ran out. We sped out there as quick as we could when I was at a shore station. And we picked this guy up and we're, we're talking to him about, uh, getting back to shore and getting him to hospital. And he says, no, I've got two more friends out here. And he says, I was just calling out to a friend of mine. We were both swimming away from the boat together. One guy stayed with the boat and these two guys were swimming away to shore. Now you can't see, you know, on the horizon, you can't see which way land is usually once you're more than, you know, a mile away. So um, they were calling to each other as they got separated and then they couldn't hear each other anymore. So um, we started, you know, getting other assets in the air and uh, other boats out there as we could, but that takes a long time. And um, we started looking for this other person in the water. And again, how likely is it that we're gonna find another person? So unlikely. But, you know, I had a couple new guys on our boat. And so it's a training opportunity. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it'd be, it, there's a possibility we find a body, you know. Mm -hmm. um, as the sun started going down, I thought I'd show these new guys how we use a parachute flare, which is like a hand mortar. You fire off and it sends up a, a flare that has a silk parachute. And because it's silk, it, it's really slow as it descends and has a phosphorus light there and it really lights up everything. So I asked the coxswain of our small boat to, to slow down so I could fire off this flare. And as he backed off the engines, we could hear this guy in the ocean yelling to us. And, and I gotta tell you, we're looking in a, a, a five mile area. We're doing a pattern. And at the very moment I decided to fire this flare, and we backed off the engine, he was close enough that we could hear him. And you know, we immediately went over to him. I got to the low part of our boat to bring him in. And he has been swimming at this point for five hours in the ocean. The Pacific yeah. Ocean, which is pretty cold. Cold, yeah. And um, he's a young young guy. He's in his early 20s. But when we were within about, I don't know, about five feet of his 
of him in the water, his mind must have realized he was going to be saved. And that was it. No more muscle control. He just gave it up. And he started going under. And I had them grab me and I went into the water with basically just my ankles on the boat and grabbed him and they pulled both of us out of there. And um, actually threw out my back, bringing that guy in the water. Uh, and I've had sciatica off and on every, for a oh, while. Man. We, so this guy almost then died of hypothermia and shock because the adrenaline is keeping him alive mm -hmm. uh, up until that point. We got him um, to a helicopter that, that, that and, you know, warmed him up as best we could and got him and he was okay. Then we're like, wow. okay, there's a third guy hanging yeah. onto a sailboat upside down out there. And now we've got helicopters out there and all of a sudden we're saying, again, this is gonna be, you know, it was a Hobie cat. So there's not much of a profile upside down. It's just these two little pontoons, right? Oh man. And the, it's now completely dark out at night and the helicopter is getting to the point where it's called bingo when they don't have enough fuel to make it back to the, their own station. So they're saying we're about five minutes away from hitting bingo here. And, 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 and then they said, we have them. And they were about, a, you know, more than a mile away from us. And they're, they're saying, can you see our light? Cause we need to leave. Like we see your light. We, you know, we were getting there as fast as we could. And we actually got the third guy. Oh, and wow. that was so remarkable. I mean, you know, I've, uh, I've seen a lot of outcomes that weren't positive, but this was one of the most remarkable ones. And I guess that kind of translates to selling promo today is that, you know, you can't give up. You can't just assume that it's going to be the way you think it is. Yeah. You know, somebody says, I'm sorry, we're not going to do that project or we're going to, uh, we're going to wait till another time. And you, you got to just keep coming back and saying, here's another idea. You know, what do you think? No, that's, that's, a, that's really good. So how do you go from Patriot to, to promo? Like how, how did that happen? You, I mean, how do you go from that to now selling? Oh, well, I guess in college, I was, I, I was also in a fraternity in college, but I was thinking about going to the FBI because I had, would have college and four years of military and that would, yep, yep. You know, I'd be able to do that. And it sounded like a cool job. And those guys were on our boat a couple of times and I thought they were really cool. But one of the, guys that I was in the fraternity with said, Tom, you know, you're going to get fired in the FBI. We know that, you know, but you could sell snow to Eskimos. So That's I think really you had to work where I work. And he got me into selling copiers, which is the first job I did. And then I got recruited into this industry. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it's, but you know, in my company, there's, uh, there's like a hundred veterans, um, but only three of us are in sales uh, that I know of uh, myself. Tommy Lewis and Dan Levin. Okay. So shout out to those guys. Yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> and all the hundred veterans at Halo. Oh, well, thank you guys all. And it's, and one, one point that we had made, I think the last time it's, it's not only thanking you for your service, but what a lot of people don't understand is all the sacrifices that you make, that your family makes. And, and we really should be thanking veterans for their sacrifice. And ever since that podcast, every time I see an old guy with a Navy hat on or whatever, I, I, I say, hey, thank you for your sacrifices. And they're, yeah. they just look like, oh. and it's, I'm telling you, try that. When you see somebody, instead of saying, thank you for your service, say, thank you for your sacrifices. And then they're like, huh. That's I, great. Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes they don't look approachable, but they're wearing that hat because they want to be approached. That's exactly so that's right. What yeah. I said. yeah. Very good.
So um, one more question about all that then. What, what are some of the different challenges that you faced post-military life? Because you went from this structured environment, right? So now you're selling promo where there really isn't a lot of rules unless you know the codes, like that's it, you know? So how do you, how do you kind of transition into that? Well, I think uh, the transition is like the teamwork that I, that I dealt with in the Coast Guard. I mean, you know, none of us are as greater than all of us is what we used to say. And, and, you know, we have to have each other's back. I mean, my life depends on trusting that other guy completely. And so does his or her life depend on that. And that's sort of the transition to the business world is even though we might work for the same company, not everyone's got each other's back to that level, you know? So that, that, you know, one of the places I worked at before Halo was especially like that, that I felt there was a culture and a um, camaraderie there, but it, it just didn't exist. Now, I don't want to transition to being somebody who's cynical and now says none of that's true. Um, you know, I work on teams within uh, my company where I'm the print guy working with promo people sometimes. Um, and I mean, I do promo myself, believe me, but um, I, I still treat it like a team. Uh, and I'm not going to let the, my teammate or my shipmate or my crew member down. So I think that's part of the transition that has to be made working with others. Yeah, be a team player. Absolutely. Jeff and Steven, I have a question for you guys. Fun fact. Okay. Um, and Tom, you may, you should know, you probably know this, but if they asked me, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. So which has more, the NYPD or the Coast Guard? More what? More members. More people? Active duty members or yeah, more people. I'd say the NYPD. I'm gonna say Coast Guard. Tom? Last time I checked, it was the NYPD, but maybe, I don't know now. So the Coast Guard has approximately 40,500 active duty members, which is slightly larger than the NYPD, which is oh, great. Wow. Right. And it's, and it's, they're doing a, a lot with a little, let me tell yeah. you. Well, and that's funny that you say that because being in the Navy, you know, the Coast Guard is always that smaller, that smaller branch. So you automatically assume that it's like the weaker branch. <laughs> you do, you do. You're like the Coast Guard. I know, look at Stephen's eyes. Did she just say that? Not what I assumed, yeah. <laughs> well, you told me some crazy stuff about boot camp. And I thought that that was, I didn't even know. It's it's literally an assumption. Like you always make fun of the branches. The, the minute right. I met you, our first thing was you were ragging me about something hey, check out this inspiring video. And I clicked <laughs> on it and it was about the Coast Guard. And I wrote back, I think you spelled awesome video wrong. And then I sent him a video back of the Navy. So I was like, he's in. <laughs> friendly ribbing, yes. <laughs> I didn't even know him. <laughs> this is yeah. our first interaction. So I love that. And I was like, you know what? Then let's find out about more because I, don't, I didn't even know. So tell everybody, tell the listeners, tell the viewers how actually hard boot camp is for the Coast Guard. Because Well, yeah, it's a, it's a very small service, as you said, and we only have one boot camp, but uh, it's been considered second only to the Marine Corps in physical uh, stress for those eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And in, in the emotional and mental stress that they put on the recruits, uh -huh. it's the top. Um, in my case, uh, it's also so small that there's a, a lot of prior service people in. The guy who was my company commander, which is like a drill instructor um, for Mike Bootcamp Company, was not only a former Marine, he was a former Marine drill instructor. So he pretty much put us through what he already did, uh, except for we were treading water instead of running, you know. 
the movie with Ashton Kutcher that was called Coast Guard, right? It was called The Guardian. The Guardian. Okay. Yeah. How how uh, realistic was the was was that training? For so that you... training would have been after boot camp because that was going to be uh, a, as a aircraft survivalman, which is the rescue swimmers that are uh, in the helicopter. I was okay. a rescue swimmer for part of my time, but I was never oh. a helicopter rescue swimmer. But that training uh, is pretty intense. But th those people, some of them had already been in the military for three or four years before they go to them. Mm. Wow. Um, so, and the difference is we yeah. didn't get to go to the bar on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the bar in every port. What are you, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> we made the bar. <laughs> what were you going to say, Stephen? I was just going to say, I had uh, two friends in, in college um, who served in the, the Coast Guard. And oh, cool. so while they were in college, so they would say, you know, hey, this is our weekend. We're, we're going away. And so they would go away and do, I guess, some service over the weekends and then come back to college. And then so it right. was it was it was neat um, how they were doing yeah. that while going to school. It was, it was pretty cool. They had some. Stories. That was my experience, too. And we we oh, would wow. take over the small boat station. The reservists would completely take it over. So there, the, the active duty crew were gone that weekend. And guess what? A lot more stuff happens on the weekend yeah. than happens during the work week. So uh, we were very, very busy. Some of the most intense things I ever saw in the Coast Guard were as a reservist on those weekends. Wow. Yeah, that's for sure. I can... Meg, did you make it through through all of your questions? Yeah, I did. I had, yeah. Right. I mean, you can jump nice. in. Yeah. <laughs> so back, I want to go back to the, the first question that you asked Tom about, you know, sort of his wildest experience in the Coast Guard. What was your wildest experience in the military? <sighs> There's, I mean, wildest, it was just, I think, stuff that you don't ever think of normally. Um, so I was in interior communications. Uh, I dealt with fiber optics, propulsion alarms, um, the pit sword, which is something you only ever really learn about in school. And the pit sword um, is just that. It's a sword that drags underneath the boat and it kind of gives you the ship's speed and all that good stuff. So it broke. We were in the middle of the Gulf and it broke. So we're in the hull of the ship. It's already 120 degrees easy before the Gulf. So it's, it's, un, it's unreal how hot it is. And um, there's like one thing that was on every test through school. And it was like, how do you raise and lower the pit sword? And so you use like dish soap. Like it was literally use dish soap. So I was in there, I got the dish soap. I got the dish soap, you know? But I mean, it was really cool because I got to take the pit sword out and uh, replace it. So that was really cool. That was a really fun thing. And sorry, people are knocking on the door. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, training, training is super. <laughs> Training is super important. You got to train for everything because eventually it happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, we ran a, a 5K on the flight deck um, going through the Suez Canal. I think that was probably my most memorable moment. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Stephen, Meg, do you guys have any other questions? I don't. I'm good, actually. I, I, just, I, I guess just one that I asked beforehand. Um, Thomas, like, what's scarier, jumping out of a helicopter into the ocean or the supply chain issues? Yeah, um, well, one of them doesn't even seem real. Um, <laughs> that's the supply chain stuff. Uh, that, and you know, I guess you you can see what's going to happen in in a rescue, and you're you're dealing with adrenaline, and you just have to do it. But this is pretty scary right now, and 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 I, you can't really see the end of this tunnel with the supply chain. So, yeah. yeah. It, we've, we've been touching on it almost every week and it kind of almost brings me back to one last question. You know, I mean, as a veteran, people have asked me this and I remember when it first happened, 
But when the news of everything that was going on in Afghanistan, um, I know you, you probably weren't over there, but as a Coast Guard, like how did that, how did that affect you? Like how does, what were your thoughts on all that? Because it, it's, it was, it was tough for me. I was like shaking for like three days straight. It just felt, it was, it was right. Tough. Yeah, it's, it certainly was scary to think that you know people. You know, we deal with the public a lot uh, in the military, and you, you're representing the United States, and you're representing. Um, yourself and your crew and you're dealing with people and they, they seem to look at you with this look of respect and then to feel that, you know, those people are not going to be able to come on the aircraft and get away. I mean, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that. But really I should say that the, the Coast Guard was definitely over at the Gulf. You know, we were, okay. uh, we secured ports and uh, dealt with, um, I, I got to represent the, the Coast Guard was in every major conflict becomes part of the Navy during the war. Um, patrolled the rivers in Vietnam and was definitely in Saudi Arabia and in Bahrain. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Meg, is there anybody else that you want to shout out that you're aware of in the military? Oh, well, we did a whole list two years ago, but um, I'll end with the people that replied to my comment in the promotional products group. So I did write them down. So let's give a shout out to those people real quick. So we have Brandon Brown, uh, Tommy Lewis, obviously, Marcus Sweeney, our friend Ben Taylor. Uh, we have Dan Moore, um, Ernest T. Murray, uh, our friend Kyle Johnson, S. Allen Dohan, I, if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize, um, Tammy Wainscott, David Castellano, John Bailey, the, um, the Swan City Print Company is veteran owned, um, Bob Perkins over at um, Premium Specialties, and Alan Clare, I'm going to give him a shout out only because I saw him uh, post something today of some old pictures of back when he was in the Marines. I want to give him a shout out. I think he's even retired, but you know. So okay, and I'd, like to, I'd like to shout out my, my, uh, my dad as well, uh, Tom McBadden, who served in the yeah. Navy as well. Very Thank cool. You. Your sacrifices as well. I'm sure there's people that I know in the industry. Uh, you know, I know it's Meg Erber and Dan Nevins. Uh, I'll give you guys a shout out. <laughs> Outside of that, I, I, I'm sure I know people in the industry that are that are military vets. So I apologize if, if I'm drawing a blank, but um, two of my good friends are actually current uh, active duty, um, William and Benji. So I'll, I'll just shout you guys out and thank you for your sacrifices. Um, so awesome. You guys have anything else? No, rapid fire? Sure, we can do rapid fire. All right, let's do it. I'll go first. All right. What is your favorite military movie? It's The Guardian. There Absolutely. you go. The one that hasn't come out yet, I would have to say, but I'll go with Top Gun, but um, I want to see the new Top Gun, but that's my favorite one is the one that they're doing about my friend, Fearless. So that'll be it when it comes out. That's cool. Steven? Man, I mean, I, I enjoy a lot of them. Um, Trying to think of my favorite. I really liked, uh, was it Sniper? Is that what it's called that came out? Yeah. Our American oh, Sniper. Yeah. Um, it was good. I also like some of the older ones like Hamburger Hill and some of those, those are pretty okay. hard ones. Heavy I ones. love... I don't know that there's been a bad military movie, honestly. I'm sure maybe there has, but um, like Full Metal Jacket is incredible. Uh, oh, G.I. Jane was actually pretty good. Uh, there's just a lot of Jarhead. So many good movies. What was the newer one that came out? Um, 
It was basically like a one-man person that was trying to get across to warn the people that were stranded. Oh, in, 1917? Uh, yes. That, that, that was, was so incredible. Really well done. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off that. Yeah. No, also that Tom, that Tom Hanks movie was a, uh, a World War II movie, Grey, Greyhound or something like that. It was on Netflix. Mm. It was really good, too. Yeah, I love Fury. Military. Fury is such a good movie. I know, I don't know about you, Tom, but whenever there's a Navy movie or a show, I pick it apart every yeah. little thing. I'm like, he shouldn't be wearing his cover on the flight deck. His ribbons are upside down. <laughs> He's not saluting that guy as soon as he walks out. I'm like, no. That's absurd. Yeah. There's been so it's terrible how the Coast Guard was represented most TV. You know shows. what, Meg? I, I do that with promo items when I go into retail stores. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> Yeah, I do. It's a really nagging, annoying habit. Why did they put it under base on that screen pretty sure? <laughs> all right steven what is your what is your rapid fire question oh uh, i i don't have one um all right, i'll go, I'll go yeah, I'll please. all right who is your first celebrity crush <laughs> you know might have been marcia on the brady bunch oh and i actually got to meet her when i was a security guard uh once uh she came into the building i was at Wow, that's really cool. Mine may or may not have been the guy from Neverending Story. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. But not who you're thinking. I try you. I try you. I try you. The kid on the horse. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Got it. What about you, Jeff? Steven? Who's your first crush? Or Steven? My my first. I don't. I can't remember. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I, that's, okay. I I guess like back when. Like Britney Spears first came out, that would probably be. He didn't want to admit it. That's all. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I don't have one." I mean, Britney Spears. Definitely. Yeah. So. Because I'm thinking I, of like. No, I, I understand where Stephen's coming from. Because like, how do you recognize your first? Like, is it really Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or like, <laughs> or is or is like your first like real legitimate like celebrity crush like Jessica Alba and like. Yeah. Dark, right. Right. You know? Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Stephen. I understand what you're saying, sir. I I get you. An early we're going to say Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steven, do you have a rapid fire question? Sure. Since we're getting close in the season here, when is it too early to put up Christmas decorations? You know what? That's actually a great question because I was just, I just went to Best Buy last night and I saw a house near the Best Buy that had Christmas lights up already. I was like, it's a little bit early. Uh, I would typically say Black Friday is when Christmas officially starts. So anything before mm. Black Friday is a little too early for me. I realize it's just around the corner though. So yeah, some, gr some grace will be given. Right? I mean, the weather's <laughs> nice right now. So if you're going to put Christmas lights up, like go do it now for goodness sakes. It's you're yeah. not going to freeze your butt off doing it. But when do you have the time to do it? Maybe that Thanksgiving weekend is often the time I have to do it. It was on the news yesterday that the, the more optimistic you are, the more uh, maybe shows how happy you are as a person, you, you want to put up holiday decorations earlier. So yeah, I barely put my Halloween decorations out this year. They're still out, though. They're, They're still, still out. out. I'm from my house. Here, yeah. Meg, have you ordered your Christmas card yet? No. <laughs> All right. So you didn't answer uh, Stephen's question. What is your answer? When do you put uh, up? No, I, I do Thanksgiving as well. I actually this year I got I felt kind of inspired to do them early, so we'll see. Stay tuned, but it's probably not going to be till Thanksgiving weekend. So, got it. 
Yeah. All right, Thomas, do you have a rapid fire question for each of us? Um, gosh, I just was thinking about, uh, we've been going to a lot of concerts lately because my wife bought a lot of tickets for 2020. They all got postponed. They all happened in the same month now that they got rescheduled. So how about, uh, what was the first uh, rock concert or um, pop concert that you went to? So I worked at a parking company and as a, someone who wasn't old enough like to work until after nine o'clock. So like the egress shift would like, they'd cut you off at seven 30 when I was in high school. So I went to basically every concert um, working for this parking company for like two or three years. Nice. And I remember walking in on kiss concerts and Aerosmith and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I don't remember my first one, but I saw like, 60 70 concerts over a couple years so. ah. <laughs> this would be cool to see yeah. it was cool yeah 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 so again i can't really remember the first because there was several uh that i went to all around the same time so i don't know if it would have been van's warp tour or godsmack and metallica um but the best one that I ever went to was probably Lincoln Park because I was literally front row up against the barricade and Chester was standing on his little box and like sweating on me. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. I see a vial in the back. Is that his sweat on the It might be. Himself? <laughs> it might be. That's actually not a vial. That is a Hall of Fame award, sir. I, I, I can also show you my, my, uh, my Rising Star magazine somewhere. That's... You know what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what was, your favorite, what was your first concert, Tom? You know, I, I, my very first concert was seeing Pat Benatar oh, at the Sports cool. Arena in Los Angeles. But soon after that, I went to my second concert, which was The Who and The Clash at the wow. LA Coliseum. That was like 1982 or something like that. It was incredible. Cool. Yeah, incredible. Meg, did you say what yours was? Meatloaf. Nice. That's cool. It's been a great show. No? I knew one song. I knew one song. I won tickets on the Boss 97. Sorry. <laughs> you had to say that in order to claim the tickets. I, right? I think I yeah. actually think I had to sing like Ray said Fred's I'm too sexy once on the radio and I got a t-shirt. <laughs> things I did when I was young. Dumb. That's a good rapid fire now. That might be a good rapid fire question is, have you ever won a radio contest? There you go. There you go. go. <laughs> I'm saving that one for next week. I'm going first next week, so you guys can't steal it from me. All right. Anything else to add? No. No, sir. No? All right. Well, I think Thomas hit it right on the nail. We're, or hit, hit, the head, uh, hit the nail right on the head with the 40-minute uh, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. All right. Well, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, it was brought to you today by our good friends over at TechWeld, USA made in a world filled with worry regarding overseas products. They offer many USA made products to help separate themselves from the promotional products pack. They've got hand sanitizers. And look, due to the coronavirus outbreak, this is something that's still trending worldwide. And the CDC still recommends sanitizing and washing hands to help prevent the spread of the disease. Uh, quite honestly, you should be washing your hands anyway. So uh, they have many sanitizer SKUs that help uh, combat the spread of the virus. So be sure to check them out. And uh, you know what? They're also really uh, known for their sunglasses over there. As I'm getting pelted in the face by the sun here right now, I could certainly use some of them. 
Uh, winners of the Distributor Choice Award for sunglasses. TechWeld won the 2019 Distributor Choice Award for the sunglass category, and they've got SKUs that are FDA compliant, and they offer UVA and UVB protection. So go check them out at techweld.com. That's T-E-K-W-E-L-D.com. You won't be sorry that you did. Tell them that we sent you, Industry Insider. And uh, stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Really appreciate it. Thomas, thank you so much. Meg and Thomas, thank you both for your service and sacrifices. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.